Hey everybody and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time joining us, then let me just welcome you and say that I am so glad that you're here. My name is Christian Keeter and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife Lacey and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. All right, guys, so today we're going to start in the short Old Testament prophetic book of Malachi. Specifically, we're going to be looking at Malachi chapter 1, or at least at least part of it. Recently, I read through the book of Malachi, and it was a very encouraging experience for me, and I really feel like the Lord spoke to me through some of the content. So I revisited the book of Malachi a few days ago and specifically looked at a section in chapter 1 through which I felt like the Lord really spoke to me again and and showed me something that was very encouraging for me that I want to share with you guys here today. Because that's what we want to do, right? We want to hear from God and then share what he says. We want to be hearing from him directly and then telling others what what he shows us, um, because we know that when things originate with God, they have power, right? They have power. So having said that, let's go ahead and get into Malachi chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 6. And I may read this section in its entirety, or I may pause along the way. I don't, I don't know yet, but let's just get started. So beginning in verse 6 of Malachi chapter 1, it says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, How have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now then, entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand, Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts, but you profane it, when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame, or sick, and this you bring is your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock, and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Okay, so that was Malachi 1, 6 through 14. So what exactly is going on here? Let me just reread a couple, uh, just a couple of sections to highlight what these priests were doing that are being addressed. Um, Part of verse 8 says, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? And then down in verse 13, um, halfway through the verse, it says, You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? So we see these priests are bringing these animals that are um, sick or blind or, or lame, these animals that are, you know, blemished, 
right? And offering these to the Lord. For a little bit of context, and I'm not going to get deep into context here because we could make this this passage very, very, or this episode very, very long by getting into the historical context, when the book of Malachi takes place, um, the history of the Jewish people up to this point, get really, really granular with the sacrificial system and talk about all that. But I don't want to do that because I just want to keep this simply focused on what the Lord has, um, has shown me. But just for ever so, just some very slight context, let me just read this section out of Leviticus 22. Leviticus 22, beginning in verse 17, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel, and say to them, When any one of the house of Israel or of the sojourners in Israel presents a burnt offering as his offering for any of their vows or free will offerings that they offer to the Lord, if it is to be acceptable for you, it shall be a male without blemish of the bulls, um, of the bulls or the sheep or the goats. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering from the herd or from the flock, to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar." That was uh, Leviticus twenty two seventeen through 22. But you see already, it's like, well, that's exactly what these priests were doing. They were offering what is li- uh, lame, blind, sick, these, these unacceptable offerings, right? It's like they were trying to do the bare minimum to fulfill their, quote, religious duty by saying, yeah, we offered something, we sacrificed it, but these were not acceptable offerings to the Lord. They were not. In fact, they contradicted what he said would be acceptable offerings back in Leviticus. So... They're still going and offering these things, but I mean, is their heart in it? No. Down here in verse 13, it says, but you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. I mean, goodness, that reflects the hearts of the people, right? So we have these priests who are just trying to, or they're just doing the you know most basic religious duty and offering sacrifices that are not acceptable. Again, at this point, we could get into all sorts of different contexts and things like that. We're not going to do that. But I want to share with you the question that this led me to ask in my time with the Lord. This led to me thinking about what sacrifices in my own life would be um, would be acceptable to the Lord. It led to me asking that sort of question from God where it's like, okay, is what I'm doing an acceptable offering? Sort of, sort of thing, to, to paraphrase that a little bit. And so when I asked the Lord about that, he took me, I think, I believe, to Psalm 50. So let me flip over here because, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the Lord about this while I'm praying about this. Psalm 50 comes to my mind, um, specifically verse 14. But I'm going to back up just a little bit and read the verses leading up to it. And it actually, well, you'll see how, how relevant it is to what we've been reading in Malachi. So I'm going to begin to verse 7. Verse 7 of Psalm 50 says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. 
do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? And on a pause there, that was um, Psalm 50 verses 7 through 13 so far. And he says, not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. And so one thing that we see in the scriptures is that, yeah, as we read through the Old Testament, these people could have been doing the sacrificial system and yet their heart be totally wrong. They could be, you know, uh, sticking to um, the sacrifices and yet their heart could be in totally the wrong place. I think about... Um, where it says in Hosea 6, 6, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings, right? Um, Over here in Psalm 51, it says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So, we see that just the religious activity of going through the motions of offering sacrifices was not, you know, necessarily acceptable to the Lord. We have to ask the question of the heart behind it, right? It's kind of like now, it's like someone could go to church consistently every single solitary week, but I mean, but where's their heart? Is there a heart in it? Is there a heart to seek to please the Lord? Are they just going through the motions? Are they just going to church because they feel like they have to or something like that, but they're not actually wanting to please the Lord. And, you know, outside of the context of that, they're just kind of living in a way that would be contrary to his word. That's just kind of a very, very loose comparison there. But as far as acceptable offerings, let's return back to Psalm uh, 50, and let's pick back up in verse 14, because this is the verse I feel like the Lord led me to, and the other stuff I was reading was just kind of to back it up a little bit for context. It says, verse 14, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And that was verses 14 and 15. But that first part, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Verse 23 of that same psalm goes on to say, um, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. But listen to that. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Let me flip over to the New Testament book of Hebrews. One more verse before I um, continue talking. So Hebrews in chapter 13, verse, let's see, 15 It says, through him, through Jesus, if you back up, you realize it's talking about Jesus, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So what am I getting at? This is what I believe that the Lord showed me. This is what I believe that he said to me. And and just kind of the essence of what he showed me was basically that was like, it was as though he said, Christian, when you praise me, when it's not easy, when you praise me, when it doesn't come naturally because of your circumstances, when you give thanks, even when it can be hard or when things are not necessarily going your way, that is an acceptable offering. That is acceptable because, hey, it's super easy. I mean, you praise the Lord. I mean, when everything is going exactly your way, then, well, yeah, that's that's super easy. But what do we do when things don't tend to quite go our way? Do we do what Paul says where he says, 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you? Or does our gratitude, thanksgiving, praise get supplanted and derailed? The one who offers uh, thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. So I don't know about you. I Like I said, when you ask the question of, Lord, what in my life is an acceptable offering to you? Or kind of where, as we looked at the priests in Malachi chapter 1, you know, if you were to ask that question of the Lord, he might say something else to you. But I believe what I'm saying right now is a pretty common experience. And I know he said it to me. And I was really excited when I saw this. That an acceptable offering to him, an acceptable sacrifice, is this sacrifice of praise. It is it is to continue to praise him, to thank him, to glorify him, regardless of the circumstances. So let me hear Habakkuk, the very end of the uh, book Habakkuk, which is another one of the uh, short Old Testament prophetic books. Listen to what it says, because this captures exactly what I'm talking about. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Just pause there. That's a bad day. Okay, the fig tree isn't blossoming. There's no fruit on the vines. The, I mean, the, the produce of the olive failing. We're not getting our olives. The fields are not yielding any food. Um, the flock is cut off from the fold and there's no herd in the stalls. Like, that's a problem. That's a bad day, right? I mean, just circumstantially. But the next word, the next word, this next word that he says, if you and I could grasp this next word, oh my gosh, you guys, it would transform our days. And this next word is the essence right here. It is the essence of offering a um, uh, thanksgiving as our sacrifice, right? As our offering. It's the word yet. Yet. In other words, and, and what does yet in this context mean? It means in spite of, despite, regardless. He says yet, despite all of that, regardless of all of that, nevertheless, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And then the final words of the psalm are to the, or of the psalm, I'm sorry, of, the, of this book, of chapter 3 of Habakkuk, which is the very, very end of the book. It says, to the choir master with stringed instruments. Which I just think is so cool. It's like this stuff that we just read, though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines. It's just like, were they singing this? Was this a song? This should be the song of our hearts. And we under, I understand you might not have a fig tree. I don't. Um, you might not own vines. You might. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you have any olive trees. You Maybe you have fields that yield food and maybe flocks and herds. Maybe. Maybe you have a farm. I don't, I don't know. I don't. So I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't deal with those specific things, but I mean, come on. It's really easy just to see what would go in that same slot for us. Even if blank happened and 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 blank happened, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Not I will rejoice in my circumstances. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation.
He's my strength. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Think about if that was the song in our heart. I love that though. That is to the choir master with stringed instruments. So Habakkuk here is doing the very thing that we're talking about. Can you see like that? That is an offering. That is a sacrifice. Cause that cuts against the grain of what we would naturally do, which is, um, complain or, or just jettison gratitude for the time being. But can we praise him no matter what? I one time saw a guy at the gym wearing a shirt that said, praise him anyway. And I thought that's fantastic. (laughs) Where did that guy get that shirt? I want one. Um, But that's the idea, right? And what do we praise him for? Well, it is, of course, fitting and right to thank him and praise him for uh, the things we see him doing in our lives and in our circumstances. I think about the 10 lepers, right? Jesus healed those 10 guys, and yet only one came back to give thanks. Remember that? Only one. So we always want to be the leper that goes back and thanks the Lord for, for what he does in our lives. But notice how this says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. We can always praise God for who he is. We can always praise him for things like the fact that, I mean, for what he did for us, for how Jesus, uh, Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf and how we have peace with God through him. We can always praise him for that regardless of what's going on. We can always praise him that um, for those who have, you know, been born again, that they are children of God and that he will never leave us nor forsake us, he says. We can always praise him for the fact that nothing, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We can always praise him that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can always praise him that we are new creations. We can, there's so much that we can praise him for, right? And no matter what is going on, we can always praise him for who he is and what he's like. I think about in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, how the seraphim said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Or how in Revelation 4, 11, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. We can always praise him for who he is, his character, what he's like, right? Those things are always true, period. And, you know, I think one form that this can really take just in our practical life is, I mean, it could be something as simple as, hey, I'm stressed out. I'm worried about X, Y, or Z. I don't know how this is going to work over here. But instead of thinking about that right now, I'm just going to entrust that to the Lord. I'm going to turn on some worship music and I'm going to sing to Jesus. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to praise him. Do you see how this is an offering? This is, a, this is, do you realize what this is? When we do this, this is us saying, God, we trust you. We acknowledge that you are bigger than all of this. Our, our love for you is not contingent upon our circumstances or upon you doing things exactly how we would want or something like that. Our, and we, we just want to praise you. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a statement of faith as well. It's a statement of trust, right? Let me flip over to um, Psalm 13. And I think, uh, I think I'm think i actually going to end with this. 
It's a shorter episode, but that's okay. I mean, I don't want to fill this up with a whole bunch of fluff just to try to make it longer. I mean, if the point can be made simply, why convolute it by taking up more time? But Psalm 13, it's only six verses long, so let's read it together here. It's a Psalm of David. It starts off, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. This verses 1 through 4. David's having a bad day, right? I mean, you know, you can tell someone's having a bad day when they start off a prayer with, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? <laughs> How long will you hide your face from me? So he's, he's having a, a bad day. And let me say something that I hope is obvious. And what I'm suggesting today, I'm not talking about not crying out to God. I mean, the scriptures are full of examples of crying out to God. And I think about Psalm 107, where various people in different circumstances cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. No, I mean, we should absolutely cry out to the Lord. We should ask him to move in our lives. We should ask, we should pray for him to work in circumstances and and change circumstances. I'm not saying anything other than that. And if I were, then I'd be deviating away from what we see in the scriptures. We see plenty of people like David right here, praying and seeking God and asking God to do something in his circumstances, right? My point for today is that we're pretty good at that already. My point is we're pretty good at asking God to change our circumstances naturally. Like we just kind of, we're good at saying, oh, I don't like how blank is going and then asking for it. And we should do that. The Bible, again, is full of that. And in our agony and trouble, we should cry out to God, cry out to God in our trouble. I'm just saying that while that is true and we should do that, we also need to not ignore passages that say things like rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Like I feel like the Lord showed me to offer thanksgiving when it's hard. Is, is an acceptable sacrifice. So, coming back to Psalm 13, David's having a hard time. He's It's not a good day, but then listen to how he turns the corner in verses 5 and 6. But, that's kind of like the word yet. We're turning the corner. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So let me read the whole Psalm because it's so short all the way through so you can feel the corner being turned right there. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That's Psalm 13. We can always trust in his steadfast love, his unchanging love, his committed love to us. We can always trust in him no matter what. We can always sing to him no matter what just like we see with Habakkuk. So I want to encourage you 
I want to invite you to join me on this journey of trying to offer this acceptable offering to the Lord, this sacrifice of praise, of thanksgiving. Guys, I mean, just as I mean, the Lord, the Lord's worth it. He deserves it anyways. But just even from our own just emotional and mental perspectives, can you imagine how this would change us? If we would just, you know, not let anxiety, fear, frustration, anger, discontentment, and, and you know, so forth, take the reins, but say, no, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. By faith, I'm going to praise the Lord. So I hope this has been encouraging to you. It was, it's been really encouraging to me. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord spoke to me and, and showed me it. And, and just as a side note, we should be striving to hear from the Lord, guys. That's, that's why we, you know, we, we read the scriptures, we, we pray. It's, it's not just to get it done. We want to be in the presence of God. We want to spend time with him. We want to hear him speak. And I could go on, but I'm just going to wrap it up here. So in closing, I just want to talk about the Bible is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that any and all gifts given are tax deductible. So if you feel so led to give, instructions on how to do so can be found in the footer of every podcast episode description. And thank you so, so much to those of you who have already given and invested in this ministry. May the Lord bless you for your generosity. All right, my friends, until next time, God bless you.